3: Previously on Who Killed Amy Mahalovic?
0: Fifth grader Amy
4: Mahalovic went to Bay Village Middle School on Friday wearing green pants, a lavender and green sweatshirt, and carrying a denim and red backpack. Police found Amy's bike locked up at school, but they haven't found Amy.
5: Bay Village police and the FBI aren't thumbing their nose at any clues, including the remotest of possible leads. Right now, time is the enemy, as the abductor's trail grows colder by the day. No, we have no new developments since yesterday. Uh, We conducted searches today.
3: We had four dogs, a helicopter, uh, approximately 40 police officers and uh, various law enforcement officers from uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Uh, We had four of our police fire divers out today checking uh, bodies of water in the area, uh, and we have come up with nothing.
1: So that day, October 27th, 89, you know, it was actually a beautiful day. It was a sunny day in in the area. It was uh, unseasonably warm and um, a typical day in Northeast Ohio otherwise.
4: We love you, Amy. We love you, we support you. We send everything good out of our hearts to you. Send some message, find some way to come home. We don't want to scare our children and think that every adult is a, is a dangerous stranger. But we do want them to, we want to teach them that it's OK to say no to some adults. And it's OK to be actually rude to a stranger if you need to be.
1: Then there was the phone caller who tricked Amy into meeting him. He had apparently tried it before. We immediately took this as a, a, as a missing person report and acted that way. But it got more serious as it got dark. I just, that was a Friday, and we had his
0: own meeting down there in Cincinnati. And uh, when I got home here, it must have been about six o'clock at night. And uh, uh, Margaret Mar- was at, uh, running around. She's like, I said, What's the matter? Oh, what's the, uh, I can't find Amy. I can't find Amy. And that's how it all began. Uh,
3: On this week's episode of Who Killed Amy Mahalovic, we will take a look at what it was like in 1990, the day that Amy was found, and what was going on in the world during that time. Amy went missing during a volatile time in the world. The Cold War was coming to an end, and the Berlin Wall looked like it would finally come down.
0: From ABC, this is World News Tonight with Peter Jennings. Reporting tonight from Berlin...
5: From the Berlin Wall specifically. Take a look at them. They've been there since last night. They are here in the thousands. They are here in the tens of thousands.
3: There was also another missing child, Jacob Wetterling, which garnered most of the national headlines.
5: Still missing tonight, Jacob Wetterling, age 11. This was one more day of agony for St. Joseph, Minnesota, population 3,200. The kind of place where you don't expect a child to be kidnapped at gunpoint.
3: After Amy disappeared, Margaret Mahalovic became a spokesperson for Amy and other missing children. She appeared on Sally Jesse Raphael nearly three months into Amy's abduction, and she was very candid with what happened that day.
4: Normally, the children call me at work when they get home from school so that I know they're safe. Um, My my son called, as usual. Um, He said Amy wasn't at home yet, thank you. I said, well, that's all right. I'd given her permission to stay after school for uh, a choir practice. And the uh, next thing that happened was Amy called. Um, I had assumed she was at home. Uh, nothing seemed highly unusual about the phone call, uh, except in retrospect, of course. Um, I was extremely busy. and. Sometimes they have a chance to chat too long, so uh, I you know, hung up thinking everything was all right. When I got home from work, my son said, you know, Mom, Amy's still not home.
3: It's so sad to think about all the things that Amy missed. It's not fair to Amy and her family that she was taken before she ever had a chance to grow up. I've always used movies as an escape from the realities of life, and Amy should have been doing the same. The Little Mermaid. I wouldn't miss it. Coming only to theaters this holiday season. As we bid farewell to the wonderful decade that was the 80s, we felt like we were entering a new stage in our lives. 1990 was going to be a brand new year, and while the search was still ongoing for 10-year-old Amy Renee Mihaljevic, we as kids had to begin to move on. The stories on the news became less sporadic as each day passed. With each holiday or birthday, the media would trot out to Bay Village to interview the Maholovic family and see how they were dealing with their missing daughter. Every once in a while, there would be a news story about a recent Amy sighting, or about Margaret going on nationally televised programs to bring awareness to Amy's case. While the Mahalovics, the investigators, and the volunteers continued searching for Amy, the kids in the area had to get used to the new normal. There were serious consequences if you talked to the wrong people, so it made us all a bit wearier of anyone that we didn't know. We did try and move on with our daily lives as much as we could, but the reality was that Amy was still missing, and we knew that any hope of her coming home alive had already passed. A
0: female jogger was jogging this morning at approximately 7.30, and uh, she spotted something in the field and went off the field and checked, and it was a body.
3: 35 FBI agents were assigned to the Mahalovic case,
1: 100,000 man hours had been logged. Practically everyone involved in the investigation were clinging to hope that Amy would be found alive.
5: The body of a young female uh, found in Ashton County early Thursday uh, morning has been identified as uh, that of Amy Mahalovic, age 12, of Bay Village of Ohio body has been at the site for a considerable period of time. Positive identification was confirmed by the use of dental records and fingerprints. Initial test results indicate that her death was a homicide.
1: Uh, I can only say that uh, there were stab wounds to the left side of the neck. Can you say how many? No, I can't say that.
6: Any uh, possibility of sexual molestation? Uh, I can't say
3: that at this time. When I met with Mark Maholovic I asked him what that day was like when Amy's body was found. Well, uh,
0: I was at a dealership, uh, and I was called and told that uh, they had uh, found Amy's body. And uh, we all met back at the house there on Linford. And uh, the police chief at the time, Bill Guru, uh I don't know who from the FBI anymore, probably uh, Dick Wren. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the Second pastor, and uh, at Bay was there, and me and Margaret, and uh, I might be missing something, somebody, but I think that's who was there.
3: With technology in 1989 not being what it is today, they did a good job of collecting everything. We
5: picked up a number of items, the significance of which we're not sure of at this time, but all these items have been sent to our forensic laboratory in Washington, D.C., and we're awaiting word to, as to what, if anything, is of evidentiary value and whether or not it fits or coincides with anything that we have previously developed in this case. I asked Chief of Police Mark Spetzel
3: what
1: it was like that day and whether or not he went to the site. I did not, no. I was, uh, again, again, keep in mind I was probably a patrolman with a little less than five years on. Right. So the detectives went down there, the FBI went down there. Um, Obviously the Ashland County Sheriff's Department had jurisdiction because the body was found within Ruggles Township, which is their jurisdiction. But it was almost immediately identified as being Amy. Uh, based upon description and everything else, and that's why the body was taken from uh, the scene there up to Cuyahoga County. Like every department in the region, they had been
3: on notice for months of the possibility of this worst-case scenario, and they knew exactly what to do. They closed the road, secured the crime scene, and contacted the FBI.
1: Uh, It had actually been prearranged with the Cuyahoga County Coroner's Office at that time that if her body's ever found, our desire in law enforcement was to bring it back to Cuyahoga County to have the autopsy done. And they agreed to that. So as long as the jurisdiction where the body was found agreed to it, that was already in place.
3: When I met with Special Agent Phil Toursney, I wanted him to give me a detailed description of what that day was like when Amy's body was discovered.
6: Yeah, I was working out of Bay Village. We had a command post up here, but uh, you know, we became aware that morning that a body had been recovered down in Ashland County. And, uh, I was one of the agents that was dispatched to Ashland County, along with numerous other FBI agents, law enforcement from Bay Village, and, of course, the Ashland County authorities and the Sheriff's Department down there. And we, we still work
3: with them as well down there. I wanted Special Agent Phil Torsney to expand a little bit on that day and what he was able to collect far as evidence goes
6: there's a curtain and a blanket that were found in a field you know not right where amy's body was found but in in the field fairly uh fairly close and certainly could have moved down there via weather or human activity or, or something else so you know these curtain the curtain and blanket were recovered uh the same day, Amy's body was located down in Ashland County. They were taken into evidence and been out here at Bay Village Police Department. Some initial testing was done, but based on improvements in science, again, we uh, we sort of resurrected those items from evidence and submitted them for additional testing. Uh, we we believe there, are, well, there are hairs, canine hairs on those items which are similar to canine hairs that were taken from the Maholovic's dog at the time of her abduction. Uh, similar is, is the key there. We're trying, so the common sense thing and the thing we ask the public to do there, and public participation in this is one of the things I talked to the chief about. And the prosecutor is one of the things we wanted to emphasize when, we, when I came back on a part-time basis. So uh, based on some testing, various laboratories, we put that curtain out there and the blanket, but the curtain is more distinctive. It appears to be handmade, homemade from an item that was probably a bed covering initially, cut down, made into a curtain. We put pictures of it up on the uh, you know the Bay Village internet and we asked the public if they could help us identify who either made that curtain, uh, who had it hanging up somewhere in a, uh, a vehicle or a uh, apartment, a barn, wherever that could have been, uh, or somebody who recognizes it, recognize that curtain and can place it for us somewhere. It didn't even it doesn't have to exactly go uh, back to somebody who may have committed this crime even but if it gives us a spot where it originated from then that's our job to trace it it used to be here it went to here this lady made it this seamstress sewed it that's what we're looking for we have had some calls and we're in the process of evaluating those calls as well and we're looking for more it's uh it's fairly distinctive. It's up there. It's, uh, but on the other hand, it's a long time ago. We understand that, and that's part of our issue, is all this happened you know, 29 years ago almost at this point.
3: Despite not being at the crime scene that day, Chief Mark Spetzel had a pretty good description on what took place in Ashland County on February 8, 1990.
1: Right, so what we did that day that she was found, they walked a good quarter mile plus in every direction you know, around that body basically picked up anything that was not natural that would have been there anyway. So all that was collected. And you don't know why, you know, you're just hoping that someday it'll, it'll, it'll pay a, a part in it. That curtain and that blanket were found, I think 300 feet, which is almost a football field length, down the road, but also way, the way the water flows and the way the wind would blow. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, they were dried out, they were kept by us here. Um, because you don't know if they have any connection or not. They were far removed from her body at that point. So, all that stuff was collected, kept by us. If anything had any significance at the moment, it was shipped to the FBI lab for analysis. Um, so, her body's a whole different story, of course, because that went to the, the coroner's office. Uh, you know, the, the, all the clothing in her body were, was analyzed, anything was shipped to the uh, FBI for analysis. So as you go through this years later, you're like, okay, what else can we do? What else can we do? What else can we do? And we start expanding our, our you know desire to do something new, and then we get to the blanket, which you know, had been photographed and all those kind of things. But we felt, you know, let's let's take that and have it really forensically analyzed and microscopically analyzed, and that's when we come up with new things. Um, because back in the day, if you would have went and said to the FBI, hey, we got this blanket, found a football field away, we wanted to analyze it, say we're not we can't do that for you. Just can't do it. You know, if you got it next to the body, we'd be happy to do it. You know, that's just the reality of investigations because you can't resources. there's only limited resources, correct? So but as you move on you're able to do that.
3: Authorities have long held the belief that where Amy's body was found was anything but random. I wanted to ask Mark Mahalovic if that spot held any significance to him.
0: No, no. No, in fact, I, you know, as much as I've traveled around the state, I've never been out there or, or never gotten a car. Let's go to that spot.
3: During the 105 days that Amy was missing, a lot of effort went into finding her alive. There were roughly 60,000 official hours by all different branches of law enforcement logged. Hundreds of promising tips led to nearly 10,000 people interviewed. 120 potential suspects investigated and questioned repeatedly. 8,000 leads pursued and abandoned. Two million posters were distributed in all 50 states and from Europe to Australia. Within two weeks of her disappearance, the police file for Amy contained over 3,600 entries. Less than two weeks after Amy went missing on November 9th, 1989, students held a candlelight vigil for Amy. Hundreds of residents went to six Bay Village churches the week after her disappearance for prayer vigils. National coverage from Inside Edition to Hard Copy covered Amy's disappearance. In early December of 1989, a helicopter searched the woods in the western suburbs. On December 11th, the church bells rang 11 times in Bay Village. It was Amy's 11th birthday. A tree was planted at the middle school to represent hope in finding Amy. Local businesses launched the community fund for assisting missing youth Incorporated to raise reward money and pay for child safety programs. Amy's parents had her favorite spaghetti supper and lit white candles. It was Amy's 11th birthday. The Mahalovics had a St. Jude sign, the patron saint of lost causes, in their front yard that read, St. Jude, pray for us. Thank you. Sincerely, your family. The FBI, Bay Village Police Department, and volunteers had spent months searching through fields with dogs while divers searched farm ponds and surrounding bodies of water. Shortly after Amy was abducted, General Motors, Mark's employer, offered a $10,000 reward for information that would lead to Amy.
4: As the sun was setting behind the Mihalovics Bay Village home, the family was inside grieving, in no condition to speak. And most of the neighbors were too stunned for words.
3: The Bay Village community was obviously shocked and devastated by the news of the discovery of Amy's body.
4: The only thing I want to say to them is that there were rainbows above their house and that kind of signified to me that maybe she had gone to heaven and she was safe now. At the shopping center where Amy was abducted October 27th, parents with children by their side were saddened but not surprised.
5: Disgust that something like that can can happen. Mm Uh, but you sort of were expecting it after such a long time.
4: I just feel really sad. I, I just, uh, I called my husband and told him at work and uh, we, are, we are of course hoped for a different outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, makes me feel really lucky.
5: Inside the crowd stood in solemn silence for the hour long mass. After months of hoping and praying for the safe return of young Amy, their worst fears had been realized. Amy was
4: in fifth grade at Bay Village Middle School, and as school let out, the faces of students spoke anger and despair. Being kidnapped, and she, she's with God now, so it'll
2: be fine. She's sick. We'll just find them and mm-hmm.
4: arrest them. Parents, teachers, and religious leaders will be helping youngsters cope with their fears and questions for a long time. Yet counselors know that many of the questions will never be answered. It's touched me very, very deeply. Um, I feel for this family tremendously, and uh, I feel very worried for the safety of all the children in Bay and and everywhere. Amy became everybody's child. Her playful grin endeared us to her, but tattered ribbons now remind us of the ugliness, not the hope. Tonight at the police department, tears were shed, but the Bay Village chief assured the community authorities will do all they can to arrest Amy's killer.
6: Anytime you, uh, discover a crime scene,
5: obviously there will be more evidence available to you. The bell at St. John Cathedral in downtown Cleveland Began to toll at the height of rush hour, but instead of rushing home, many downtown workers and shoppers shifted gears, taking time out to pay their respects to a child whose loss has touched us all.
4: Tonight, people prayed for Amy, her family, and her friends. Six Bay Village churches held a prayer vigil for Amy's safe return.
3: The Cleveland media had covered Amy's case closely for nearly four months, so when the news of Amy's body being discovered came out, they arrived in droves
5: we've been covering the story now for well over three and a half months but there are still many many unanswered questions tonight like number one was the girl's body put here just recently or had it been here ever since she turned up missing now people around here and i've talked to a lot of them this afternoon tell me that the farmland in this area is a heavily hunted area and they were hunting through the first week in january there was no snow on the ground and the, and the hunters tell me they certainly would have spotted a body laying along the side of the road
6: Amy's body was found in Ashland County near the Heron County line. That's well to the
5: southwest of the community of Bay Village. Late this afternoon, the Cuyahoga County Corner confirmed that a body found by a jogger this morning on a remote Ashland County road is that of Amy Mahalovic. Well, Ted, people here in, uh, around Nova in this rural area of Ashland County are all asking the question, why tonight? Like so many of us, they've been hoping and praying that Amy Mahalovic would be found safe and sound. Of course, we all know otherwise tonight. Instead, her body was found lying in a ditch along an isolated stretch of County Road 1181 this
3: morning. It had been 105 days since Amy had gone missing, and the Bay Village community had prepared for this day, with leaders ready to deal with the emotions of the children.
4: Bay Village school officials had made some preparations for this day everyone wished would never come. Teachers tenderly answered any questions the children had, and the middle school added four counselors to its usual two. Parents, teachers, and religious leaders will be helping youngsters cope with their fears and questions for a long time, yet counselors know that many of the questions will never be answered.
3: With the discovery of Amy's body, Mark Mahalovic believed that this would be an opportunity for the investigators to discover new evidence.
0: The other thing is that once they found her uh, body, I thought, well, now they'll be able to get some information from the body and maybe solve the case.
3: The news of Amy's body being discovered had to have been absolutely devastating to Margaret as she would appear on local news in the following days.
4: There's uh, frustration because the uh, murder hasn't been found. There's a lot of anger over that, too.
3: I asked Special Agent Phil Torsny if he thought Amy had lived longer than the first 24 hours of being abducted.
6: Well, again, we don't we don't know. I mean, what we have here, we know where she was abducted from. Right. We have the body disposal site. So we had two scenes. We're looking. Yeah, there's, a, there's a, at least a, a third spot, and that's... That's one of the things that's important about that curtain and that blanket. That's That item is possibly from, you know, that in-between spot where this happened. Uh, and that's why we put that out there. We're st- if we could ever identify that in-between spot, uh, you know, that would be a home run for us.
3: So out of those 10,000 suspects or interviewees, you've said that only a few of them can be ruled out.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Say a few in general terms, but yeah, a lot of them have not been absolutely. Just
3: because they don't have. Just because you don't have
1: an ironclad, ironclad alibi, right? So it could be
3: anybody. Could be any. Yeah,
1: could be anybody, and you know we have talked, and your listeners will uh, that know of this will listen because many of the listeners will have been talked to by the FBI or the police, and but what we know is only one person did it, right? And in the process of signing any kind of crime like this, you talk to a lot of people, and names get attached and publicly put out there of people that have been talked to. And that's somewhat unfair to them, mm-hmm. because again, if we just threw 10,000 names out there of people that were suspects in the Mahalva case, that targets them. It, it paints a picture of them that maybe is unfair. Um, so that's why we try to keep names quiet. We don't, we don't throw out names. In fact, that's never a good thing to do. Um, but there's certainly people that we've spent more time investigating than others, and others that uh, are just kind of peripheral players, look lookalikes, whatever. Um, but we continue to reevaluate all these things as new information comes available, or, like I said, we'll reevaluate the case. We'll bring in a fresh set of eyes to say, you know, you look at this National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. We brought them in to take a look at it. You know, we because we get kind of focused on what we think. Well, what do you think? You haven't lived this. Take a look and tell me what you think. And so we've done that on several cases, and that's provided new information. But um, the same fact pattern—the fact patterns never change. You know, the, the basically that you know she was lured to that center uh, to be taken, probably for a sexual purpose. Ended up being killed, and her body was found down in Ashland County. Those are facts that are indisputable, and those are the facts we go with to help build that case out.
3: When I was meeting with Special Agent Phil Torsney, it became clear that he really wanted the message to be sent that just because something has been published in the media does not mean that the case has been resolved.
6: Yeah, I guess one of the important things here is, is just because something's been published uh, through some media outlet, whatever it may be, uh, it, it doesn't mean we're not looking in other directions. and. Um, we, we need additional information. It doesn't mean by the publication of that kind of thing and putting out names out there, we have additional information here uh, in addition to what's been published. And we base our investigation on you know, the facts we have and a little thing that might not have anything to do with, with what's been published previously in regards to another tip, more information, or another suspect may add to the information we have here and have knowledge of uh, that'll help solve this case.
3: Amy's case has always been surrounded by an infamous composite sketch. And I wanted to get a little bit more information about that sketch from Chief Mark Spetzel.
1: So you've got these two people who saw this, uh, thought it was father, no idea, but just happened to notice it. And I always kind of look at it as this way. It's very similar to like if you're walking down the mall, in a mall, And you kind of bump shoulders with somebody and you look at them and you keep walking. Somebody comes to you a day or two later and says, hey, I need a detailed description of that individual because he he did something in the mall that I need to know. Now, factor in the fact that it's a 10-year-old that got bumped into and has to provide that description, you know, that's the reliability of that information. And not to say that it's not important, it's extremely important. But what we don't want to see happen is people put all their faith in that drawing, that hey, if he doesn't look like him, it can't be him, or you know, vice versa. Uh, but at the time, on October 28th, 29th, that's all we had. So we put out those drawings, um, and what we got was a flood of lookalikes who may be the suspect because they look just like that person. The jawline is the same, you know, the glasses are the same. And we had to go with that because that's all we had. You know, So that general description is probably fairly accurate, but certainly not... Conclusive one way or the other.
3: The fact that Amy's body was found nearly 50 miles south of where she was abducted was a little abnormal compared to other
5: abductions. Within 30 miles of the abduction site is usually where the victim is found, either alive or dead.
3: It's mind boggling to think that two 10 year olds set into motion, the, mm-hmm. you know, the composite sketch that has been prevalent through right. the whole case. And I know that, you know, you're right. You end up looking for lookalikes. Sure. And boom, you could go through any yearbook and find somebody in 1989 yeah, yeah. that looked like that, yeah. because that was the style in 1989. Absolutely. Bigger right. hair, bigger
1: glasses. Correct. And uh, put on top of that, that no vehicle was seen. So again, since there was no disturbance, there was no violence. They saw Amy with this individual, and then they looked away. They continued on their day, talking with their friends. No one ever saw a vehicle parked in a parking lot. Nobody saw her getting into a vehicle. Nobody saw her walking towards any type of vehicle. So there is no vehicle description that goes along with this individual. Had you had both, obviously it would have helped, um, but we didn't. And, of course, unlike today, back in 89, there's not surveillance cameras throughout everywhere. So you don't have anything to go by and say, well, let's pull up some surveillance film and we can catch something. didn't exist back then.
3: I wanted to know from Chief Spetzel what the mood of the station was like on the day that Amy's body was discovered. I think
1: even though, you know, time had passed and, you know, you know we had this hope that we'd find her, it was still a shocker that she was found deceased. And where she and was found. And where from. she was found. You know, and that all starts to raise the question, why there? What's the connection to the uh, uh, cornfield or wheat field in Ruggles Township in Ashland County? Why, why that? And that in and of itself provides clues. Uh, you know, the, the behavioral people will tell you that there's had to be some familiarity with both places. People don't just drive and place a body. They have to feel somewhat comfortable, even if it's just a place they know of or have been by or something. There's some familiarity. It's not just generally a random location. And then the fact that she was only placed, you know, 15 feet off the roadway um, indicates that that person probably wanted her body to be found at some point. You know, she didn't. He didn't take her back in the woods, burying her deep hole, never to be found again. That's a good point. So all these, <clears throat> excuse me, all these factors, all these factors of where the body was found, you know, how it was found, all that are, are clues that you generate um, to help you lead you in the right direction. So we're always looking for connections to Northeast Ohio, the Cuyahoga County, and Ashland County, and. You know, what, what might be the connection between a suspect in those two locations? And, you know, that stuff happens just regularly. It's part of the process.
3: With any case, especially one like Amy's, the answer could come through DNA technology. And I asked James Renner what he thought about the
2: DNA that the Bay Village police possessed. Takeaway from the conversations we've had, I believe what they have is DNA that they recovered from Amy's body that they believe is from the killer, but might have been DNA from a contaminated scene, uh, crime scene, because that where they found her body, there were a number of people before the FBI and police and crime scene people got there that were coming and going and, and moving and, and you know, touching the, you know. Uh, so, you know, are we 100%? the DNA we have as the killers, I don't know. I've also been told that the DNA that they do have is not a complete strand, but a segment. So, you know, picture a ladder with a hundred rungs and each rung is a different color. Um, They have like a five foot, let's assume they have a five foot portion of that ladder. Now you can take DNA from a suspect and see if, those particular sets of colors match with any part of that other ladder. And if it doesn't, you can rule that suspect out as the person who left behind that DNA. But if it does match a five-foot section in that other ladder, well, then they're still a suspect. But so is, you know, so are three or four other people. So you, you can rule people out, maybe. But if you find a match, it doesn't mean that person... Is the killer? It means they're one of a small group of people, a smaller group of people that could be the killer.
3: When I spoke with Chief Spetzel a few months back, I asked him about the DNA that they possessed.
1: We do not. We have, we have DNA. Uh, I won't get into too much detail, but right. it's not... We don't have DNA that you can plug into CODIS and come out with a suspect. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Uh, that would be ideal, obviously. Because anymore anybody arrested with a for a felony, their their DNA is taken. It goes into a database, and every law enforcement officer in the country can search that. Yeah, we, we
3: live in a CSI world, right? But the public does too. Right, they and think that oh well, there's got to be DNA. There's got to be,
1: and there's not always in cases. Uh, you know, we had a homicide back in uh, 2001 with a, a roofer that was killed on Lake Road, and we had no forensic evidence, and we convicted him completely uncircumstantial. Great circumstantial evidence, but that's how it was solved. Wow. You don't always have forensic evidence in a case, so you have to use other methods. The difficulty is when the case is cold—I say cold, that's not even the right term the case is older, that becomes even more problematic because people's memories fade, people die, people—their uh, memory starts to change. I mean, you probably have a recollection of events when you were a kid that if you asked somebody else would be different than your recollection. Somebody's not right, but they're not wrong either because over time things change, and uh, so— That affects the case as well. The question that
3: is hanging out there is science going to be able to solve Amy's case in the same way that science solved April Tinsley's case, as well as the Golden State killer?
6: We were on the phone today with scientists, myself and and some of the detectives, scientists from various organizations, in an effort to take what we have as far as science goes in this case and forensics goes in this case and move forward to, uh, to something that might help us make an identification or a resolution. That's ongoing. It's gonna be ongoing for the next, until we figure this thing out, uh, if it takes years or maybe a couple of days or a couple hours. But that's been a process that, that we've kept up with, I believe, as DNA has progressed, and we continue to keep up with that and make submissions, inquiries, uh, in the hopes that uh, science will help us resolve this case.
3: I asked the chief if he kept a short list of suspects.
1: I do not have a short list. I mean, there are certainly, like I said, people that we've spent a lot more time on than others because of the circumstances of their, their, um, what they've been involved in. And, um, but I will tell you that from reading about cases somewhere that sometimes it's the ones you don't expect, it's the ones you're not really looking at heavily. It's easy to look at a known sex offender who likes a girl of that age and say, "Well, it's got to be them." We don't know where he was, but that's got to be the one. He, like right, he looks like the composite, right? he looks like the composite. So, um, but that's kind of the easy way out. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta make sure you know what you're doing and the facts fit in. Um, so that's why it really could be any number of people. And uh, so we never close our mind to a person. And again, we never rule them out unless we got a, you know, ironclad alibi. So that keeps a wide open area, right? And it gives you a lot, of, a lot of suspects.
3: Since James Renner had done a lot of investigating into Amy's case, I wanted to know what his thoughts were on the amount of suspects.
2: And, you know, we keep talking about suspects, and I could go on for, um, you know, literally I'm thinking of, of three more. It's just, you know, the, this, is, this is what's difficult about this case, is there are, there are just too many suspects, too many men with the means, motive, and opportunity in this one. Uh, I've never seen any other case quite like this where there are so many likely suspects, Um, which again, you know, it circles back to, well, are we dealing with one person here or are there so many suspects because a handful of them were working together and knew each other? And, you know, are we dealing with, you know, a, a ring
3: of people I asked Special Agent Phil Torsny what his goal was in participating in this podcast.
6: But, you know, one of one of our goals, uh, recent goals anyway, has been to get some uh, nationwide publicity. We've had a ton of publicity here, you know, in, in the Cleveland area, Bay Village, Ashton County, Ohio, but, uh, you know, it's possible that the individual who did this is living somewhere else. And there's maybe a similar case in California or Washington State, you know, Florida, uh, that either a police officer might recognize from the past or a victim or a, uh, 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 you know, just somebody from another state that wasn't aware of all the publicity around here that's going to hear about this through, you know, this podcast or another uh, sort of national well, podcasts
3: are international, so well, this will even if he's overseas, yeah, he will
6: right Canada, that kind of thing. Because you know, this seems you know initially it seemed like it was somebody who has no doubt familiarity with Bay and and you know the rural areas southeast of here, southwest of here, but it doesn't mean a similar crime wasn't committed somewhere else, and there's some officer somewhere who took a report on something like this, uh, and that we we keep looking at those cases. Throughout the country, we've accessed various websites or, you know, uh, criminal kind of uh, uh, computer sites looking for similar cases with the, with the gift and the phone call and the, uh, you know, the age group of the young girl and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, we're, we're looking nationwide. Could have done this before, something similar before, could have done it afterwards, could have gone to prison for something like this for a period of time, therefore stepped out of the public eye or stepped out of the uh, potential for getting caught during the time he was in prison, maybe did 10 years, maybe did two years, maybe did 15, 20, got back out and started doing the same thing
1: in another way.
3: I asked the chief of police how he saw this case being solved.
1: I see it being solved through uh, information provided by the public, I really do. You know, We have a vast amount of information some of which we can piece together, some of it we can't. So I, I'm really of the belief there's someone out there who has uh, direct or very closely direct information about who did this. Either they heard something, it's a relative, somebody confided in them, you know, uh, deathbed confession, something, someone out there other than the killer knows what happened. That's the person we want to come forward because then they'll be able to provide some clarity to all this information we have, we can, we, you know, we can put it together and make a case. I think that's how this is gonna happen.
3: Coming up on the next episode of Who Killed Amy Mahalovic, we take a deeper look into the suspects and who may have been involved in the abduction and murder of 10-year-old Amy Renee Mahalovic.
1: My mind says gonna have seen them. That's called class evidence when you're able to compare you know a fiber or something to uh, another uh, item like that and 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 that's not 100 percent like dna you know dna is pretty much that's the way it is but if you have a fiber that looks like this fiber and you're able to connect them to your suspect and your victim that's great but it's not conclusive enough to get a conviction but it provides that thread to tie those together and then you go
2: you yeah, whatever the i mean right because it's been unsolved if it was simple it'd be solved by now but whatever the explanation is it's it's not simple you know so is it that somebody went to get her and somebody else took her is it that more than one person was working on
5: a number of law enforcement officials including the FBI were here for tonight's memorial service in addition to paying their respects there was also the gruesome outside possibility that Amy's killer might be among those who came to pay their respects
3: If you are interested in supporting independent journalism, such as this podcast, you can click on the Donate button on the bottom left on whokilledamymihalovic.com. If you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, that will also help support the show and help get Amy's story the coverage it deserves. You can contact the Bay Village Police Department at 440-871-1234 if you have any new information. The FBI is offering a reward up to $25,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the individual or individuals responsible for the death of Amy Maholovic. Anyone with information concerning the murder of Amy Maholovic should contact the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI. You may also contact your local FBI office or the nearest American embassy or consulate. Thank you for listening.
4: Come play with us.